Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Miedemar in a good position twice. Here she is. Once she sliced it, the other time she drilled it off the bar. This time she's played a brilliant pass. Black Stenius for 1-1. One, one. She's done it! The Gunners take a Welcome to Upfront on Football Ramble Presents. I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. It was an FA Cup weekend short of upsets, but what a semi-final lineup we have and what a journey for Ipswich and Coventry. We look back at all the action as Wembley beckons and at long last, the Champions League is back. We preview the last day and arm you with everything you need to know for the knockouts. Plus, goals women's football correspondent Amy Rushke joins us to give some insight on Wolfsburg ahead of their showdown at the Emirates. Good run, crosses fizzed in, and Sam Kerr has a hat-trick. That's Australia's first ever hat-trick in a FIFA Women's World Cup Finals. Eckerberg qui va lever son ballon, et ça va être 3 buts 1, et celui-ci est d'une très très haute importance. Le nouveau doublé pour Ada Eckerberg. So, not quite the upsets we were hoping for in the FA Cup over the weekend. I definitely thought Ipswich had the best chance against against West Ham and they came pretty close. Only a 1-0 defeat in the end. West Ham definitely not at their best, but it did seem like all the bigger WSLs were going to go sides were going to go through and they did in the end. Um but still some good football even though we may have not got the dream upsets that we were hoping for. Yeah, and unsurprisingly, I was wrong about Birmingham potentially causing a cup set. Um, Although in the first half, they played really well. I was quite impressed with them, but they did have a huge amount of injuries. It was only 1-0 at halftime. It felt like a similar... The Birmingham-Chelsea game was a similar vibe to the Arsenal-Coventry game. It was like good, stoic defending, backs against the wall, but eventually you just can't hold out forever against top quality players that both Arsenal and Chelsea have in their ranks and they'll, they're just going to break down. Yeah, and also I think both Arsenal and Chelsea weren't playing their kind of best 11 necessarily and it kind of showed in the first half. It was it a bit of a mismatch, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it took them a little while to just find their feet and figure out, you know, playing with each other. So, yeah, I think it was quite similar in both of those games. Um, the Arsenal one especially, Coventry did really well to kind of, yeah, they sat back and defended, but they gave Arsenal loads of space away outside of the box. And then as soon as they got close, they just could not find any route in. So I was quite impressed with that. But yeah, as you say, you, you just can't do that for 90 minutes. It's impossible. Chloe, so you, had your, you had your feet up. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, uh, gave me Literally. plenty of time to watch uh, the FA Cup games, which is an absolute privilege. Um, but now I think, you know, looking at some of the games that were played this weekend, and especially the ones with Coventry and, and Ipswich, I mean, 
Coventry. I mean, a few months ago they were on the brink of absolute collapse, and now they come back, and now they're you know playing one of the best sides in in the uh, in the WSL, and you know putting in an absolute shift. I mean, it was barrage after barrage of attack from from Arsenal, from the left, from the right, from the centre, from over over and ahead, and it was just um, it was some fantastic saves there, and also some fantastic defending. So credit to them because it's uh, it's not been an easy season for Coventry. Yeah, we have to shout out Ipswich Town as well because the only third-tier side left in the competition, Coventry representing the championship. I think it's brilliant to even have those two in the last day as as it is because you know there's been times where those have been dominated by WSL sides. So I think it's brilliant that those guys have really pushed through and, and with the changes in FA Cup prize money, that's going to make a massive difference. But especially for Ipswich Town because I think it was Tom Gary's tweet on Sunday morning that there were queues to get into the Ipswich Town ground in Felixstowe the morning of the game. The excitement in the local community in the area was huge. And they normally get around 500 for a league game and they got over 2,000 for that one. And it just shows that when you can go on those sort of cup runs, you do get a little bit of that cup magic. I think we don't always see in some of the Women's FA Cup. Yeah, it was brilliant. We saw that as well in the fifth round. We were there for their game against Southampton and similarly, really, really good crowd, really buzzy crowd. But um, their manager, Joe Sheehan, summed up, it just felt like it summed up the FA Cup perfectly. He said, it'll be a non-league round with volunteer staff, an enthusiastic crowd who snapped up all tickets in less than 24 hours and could have probably sold it out four or five times over. Small changing rooms, a tricky pitch that's still unpredictable, even for us, and an opponent who have prepared so hard and are just really excited for the occasion. And it's just like, that just sums up FA Cup magic right there. And I appreciate that they didn't win the game in the end, but they came close. And I thought Quantrill and Goal pulled off some unbelievable saves as well. You know, goalkeeper union there, Chloe. Oh my God. I mean, I was looking back over the game. And she was the hero in, in the penalty shootout, wasn't she? Yeah. In the previous round. So yeah. she's a proper legend. I mean, she's, an, she's a very experienced championship goalkeeper. Um, so her being, you know, such an asset to the Ipswich side. I mean, if it wasn't for her, I think you could have been looking at a score of about three, four, five nil. So, you know, credit to her, credit to the defenders as well. Incredibly robust. And I think, you know, you could see every time there was a chance that, you know, Ipswich hadn't, yes, they were far and few between, but you could see the crowd really getting behind them. And likewise, every time a save was made, there was some emergency defending. You could see the crowd also getting behind their backs. And, you know, I just think that's such an amazing occasion for those players to have, have played against a side like that and to keep them at bay. You know, you, you've got that goal that scored in the what the first 30 minutes and then you've got to keep them at bay and keep them that score for, for the remaining 60, the remaining 60. And they did. Yeah, credit. I think it's interesting as well because... Ipswich may or Ipswich fans may have thought about that that game and thought maybe we should take this to Portman Road and try and sell out Portman Road, not sell it out, but try and you know fill Portman Road and give the opportunity for maybe fans who haven't watched the women's side come and watch them for the first time. But actually, in situations like this, and I know you're a big fan of of bobbly pitches, Chloe, but awesome. actually in a situation like this, it gives you a massive home advantage by not moving it and saying you know we're still going to play in Felixstowe because. The, the the pitch is actually going to benefit us and we're not going to move the game to Portland Road where there'd probably be a better pitch to play on because that's going to actually play into the hands of West Ham. Yeah, I think any advantage you can take, you know, and I he labelled it there, even things like small dressing rooms, you know, and just having the fans so close to you because everyone's literally hanging over the, the side of the barriers right practically on the pitch. You take any of those advantages and I think we saw at the weekend what they can do for the team. So obviously it was always going to be a difficult game. But as you say, with the crowd behind you feeling so close, you know, it does lift the team. Absolutely. And I think they just had so many fans there just backing them. And I think, you know, as a player, it is so incredibly difficult when you've gone to the training ground every week and you play on your your own home 
games that are absolutely pitch perfect conditions and then you come to a ground like that and all of a sudden you can't play the kind of football that you want to the passes are going a wall you know the shots are bobbling off the ground and you know it's a goalkeeper's nightmare at the same time because those bobbles and we saw Sarah Quantrill pull out a few good saves where it had bobbled but you know it definitely worked to, to Ipswich advantage yeah, no, I mean, West Ham play at a non-league men's ground uh, uh, at Daggers, but the pitch there is exceptional. It's a really, really good pitch there. So even though it's you know quite a small ground and it's probably similar to, to the size that other WSL clubs play at, like it is, it is a much more elite pitch. So then to be thrown into kind of like almost grassroots surroundings, it's, it's, a bit of, it's a bit of a dynamic change for them. We saw United try and cope with that in that game against Bridgewater, favourite pitch of yours. Um, and, you know, even though they did run away comfortable winners, they were, it was bobbly as hell, like, for them. So it's, it's a really interesting one as you know, the competition, you know, continues to, to, to grow and we see more lower-tier sides going further and further. I think we're going to get a, a, a lower tier side into those semi-finals at some point soon because someone's got to play it to their advantage and and make the most of that. Yeah, I hope so. I think it's going to happen. I mean, we're seeing both in the National League and the FAWC some great teams coming up, a lot of investment, um, really top quality football. So yeah, I reckon, especially you know with the opportunity of, of bigger prize money as well, it just makes the FA Cup even more special. So yeah, I'd like to think come next season, they'll have some surprise names in there. Absolutely. I think you're only a matter of, you know, a year, a couple of years. And I think it depends also on the draw. I mean, this draw could have easily been an Ipswich v Coventry game and then we would have seen a, either a championship side or, or National League side heading into That's the... That's true. Uh, it's the, luck of the draw. Oh, it? That would have been amazing. That, that would have been incredible, yeah. Um, we've also got a shout at West Ham as well because even though they did struggle a little bit, um, they scored that goal in the th- around the half hour mark and then um, couldn't really... Um, get past Ipswich to kind of add to their tally. They got the job done. They're into the semi-finals for the first time since 2019. Obviously made it to the final of that FA Cup. Only their second ever semi-final ever. Um, and they've already surpassed their best ever WSL points tally. So even though they're a kind of inconsistent, unpredictable side, it's actually been a really good season for, for Oli Harder with his first full season with quite an exciting group. Yeah, and you have to factor in that they played a game on Wednesday night against Manchester United in the most horrendous conditions. I cannot tell you. It was raining sideways for like 85 minutes of the match. It was awful. And not only did they go down 1-0, I think around the 57th minute or so, um, to a bit of an acrobatic Ella deflection situation, um, I kind of would have expected West Ham of old to maybe capitulate a little bit and my god they put their foot on the gas in the last kind of 10 10 15 minutes and pushed and pushed and pushed and got an equalizer right at the death um so yeah that kind of sums them up a little bit now you know they've got an amazing home record at the moment um in Dagenham I think Chelsea were the first team to beat them what two weeks ago when they played in the FAWSL maybe it was a bit further back but it was the first time they'd been beaten at home in the WSL so yeah they've They've pulled themselves together. I think they've been quite impressive this season. I'm excited to see what they can do next season. They're an ambitious team. They've got really good foundations in terms of the training ground and and some exciting young players coming through. So I think they're they're onto a good thing. And I would love to see them uh, in in the final. And I think they have a good chance. I think City is probably the best team to draw out of those three. Maybe maybe I'll, I don't know. What do you guys think out of those semi finals? So in at the semi final. As it stands, or I mean, that's not going to change. I don't know why I'm saying as it stands. But the semi-finals are Arsenal versus Chelsea and West Ham against Man City. I think you've just talked about how good West Ham's home record are, is. Surely, I think West Ham will actually think City's not a bad draw. I think all of them are 
crap to come up against, to be totally honest, because <laughs> they all have really great momentum. But I think the fact that they've drawn at home will be huge for them. And, and West Ham beat City earlier this season at the, the CFA. So. Yeah, and I think as well, we always say this about cup games. Cup games are not league games. They're different. They're a one-off. Anything can happen. And I think that's the kind of mentality West Ham will go in. If they know they can frustrate Man City, if they can hold them off, if they can stop them getting early goals, yeah, it could be could be a good I game. I think they could be blowing bubbles at Wembley, my friends. L- this, wow. One thing I will say, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put really? my I'm gonna put my neck on the line. One thing I will say is I don't know how many times I have to say this, but don't give Caroline Weir space. <laughs> how many times? Every week we're talking about an amazing of her goal because they this like they know that she's going to embarrass them. No. So they just so like, why do you step off her? Stop you've giving her space. Clamp. You've got to clamp that. Yeah, down. get tight. This would be me. Get tight. Get oh my tight. god. Or, no shot, no shot. <laughs> or foul. I'm sorry. And you... also, don't let her get her on her left. If you show her onto her right foot, if anything, for God's sake. That oh. was the scariest thing about watching that clip. Is it, it was like deja vu. It was like PTSD over and over again from the, watching the same type of goal happening. And what I really struggled to see was Everton just con- completely backing off and just allowing her to run a good 20, 30 she yards so before much space. taking that shot. It's like, you know what she's going to do. It's Caroline Weir. <laughs> And what, and what makes it worse Please, now is for God's she's, sake. she's scoring from inside the box as well now. So she's scoring when she is in small spaces. No one is safe. But whatever you do, don't give her space outside the box. Please, West Ham, if you're listening. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think, I think you know, the, the, I think it's going to be a hard game for West Ham. But I think, I think they've got a really good chance. And I think, you know, we know, even though Man City still have that top quality and Caroline Weir is in such good form and Lauren Hemp's in good form, we know that they're still weak at the back. We know they're still weak at the back. And I think West Ham really fancy their chances. And then looking at the other semi-final, Arsenal against Chelsea. Gold. That's a classic. Absolute gold. That's a classic. Yeah. It's, I just hope we don't end up with another nil-nil and then have to go to penalties. Oh, um, yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> for, for me, look, it's all... If Eidwell can set up his team the way he did when they played Chelsea recently um, and it was nil-nil, but with Emma Hayes being such a master tactician, she's going to have a game plan for that. So, I don't know. I For me, I lean towards Chelsea. I agree. I think uh, Chelsea will want to make up for the fact that they dropped out of the, or not dropped out of, they they lost the the final, the Conley Cup final. And I think this is now going to be something they're going to really focus on. And I think I, I agree with you. Chelsea are looking so bloody strong recently and have been for the entire season. They're going to want this. So um, it, it's, it kind of feels like this, who, it not it's not a decider of the league because obviously the league has still got so many games to go. But I feel like this is going to be the kind of heads on now. This is us two against it. We know that we're, the, we're going to be going to the end. Plus, Chelsea have their game in hand this week. So if they win that, they will be top of the league. So they'll be going in, you know, cock of the wall, kind of one over on Arsenal. I've noticed in the past few years, Arsenal always seem to look a little bit fearful when they play Chelsea. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like we saw that when they played that I was going to say, I, I agree with you. And I, I, was, I was fully on board the um, fright train until that nil-nil at Kings yeah. Meadow and Arsenal's performance that night was so impressive. So I think it's all going to be down to mentality and who can get And injuries. Injuries. True. We're at, so we're at, we're at that point in the season. I mean, we've got Chloe Morgan sitting here in some kind of leg brace. Um, we're at device. that point in the some season kind of leg where people are, are dropping like flies and Magda Erickson made her comeback. Chelsea are getting on... them back though. This mm-hmm. is the scary thing. They're getting yeah, married. back. but then you've got other players like Fran Kirby who's been out for a number of weeks now and is only really just back in, in training. Jesse Fleming coming back from COVID. True, but if you're looking at if they can beat Villa with that 
the, the thin squad that they had or, or thin for Chelsea that's just going to give them so much confidence because they're getting they're not well Trutchwood they're not losing players at the moment they're getting them back in so getting that kind of momentum going into an Arsenal game Arsenal though have Champions League to think about so can they keep their players fresh the Arsenal brought on Vivian Miedema against Coventry which I didn't fully understand why they did that they were 3-0 up at the time I think it was 3-0 up they didn't need to bring her on. I don't think they needed to risk her before a Wolfsburg game. And then she kept holding her quad about 10 minutes in. I've, I always, and then she scored that well day. Well, yeah. Mm. But this is the thing with Viv is that like she does anything acrobatic. She tends to then pull up looking like she's just <laughs> struggling, like, destroyed herself. So for me, I'd be wrapping someone like that in cotton wool. And it's, it's a real face off, isn't it? Because we've got a lot of forward players who are in very good form. Penelope Harder's had a very good season. Yeah. Sam Kerr is absolutely on fire. She's a match winner. She relishes the big occasion. Did in the Conti Cup final, even though they ended up losing that one. Did it against Aston Villa. But then you've got Viv Stenius just like, oh, just Gold. making poetry, making art on the football pitch. So and Caitlin Ford and Beth Mead. Like, I don't know how you put all their names into one, but like that kind of trio, quadruple of people. And you're right about Penilla Harder. I don't think she gets enough credit, especially this season when there's been so many injuries. She's really stepped up and played so much football. And I think a lot of the time people don't don't look at what she does off the ball or the space she makes or the things, you know, she may not be scoring goals all the time or directly contributing to them, but what she is doing is, is pretty incredible. So yeah, it's a it's a great matchup. And that leads me on to say as well, I mean, it's a great matchup. It's a proper blockbuster affair. It's a repeat of of the final from December. Ollie Harder touched on in his in his post match after beating Ipswich why the semi finals aren't going to be at neutral venues. We obviously have that in the men's game. They get played at Wembley. Do you guys wish that there was a bit more of an occasion about things? I mean, maybe if Arsenal hadn't already staged a lot of games at the Emirates this season, and I haven't actually looked at the calendar to see how it matches matches up with the men's schedule, but maybe they would have gone to the Emirates. But it feels like because this is going to be their you know third and fourth fixtures there this season, probably already kind of maxed out. But it does seem a shame that these games aren't going to maybe get the the audience in the stadiums that they perhaps deserve. Yeah, I think we're getting to that stage now. Like we've we've gotten the finals into Wembley now for the past few years, so we kind of now need to look further afield. And the FA Cup is just as special and just as magical, and I think deserves the same kind of acknowledgement um, as it does in the men's game. So I think the achievement of getting to a semi final, okay, it's not a final, but getting to a semi final is huge. You're gonna end up with people are fighting to get to Wembley. These are big, big games, and yeah, a neutral ground could kind of help increase the the number of people coming to those games and just make it a bigger occasion. I agree. I think, um, you know, it is such a special occasion for, for all the teams involved. And I think, you know, when you've got the potential there to be able to market it in the right way, um, you know, get the kind of bums on seats that we've all been looking for. And, you know, now We're now in a situation where we're not just relying on, you know, big stadium games for women's football weekend. We deserve and demand are demanding more. So, you know, I would absolutely love to see that because I think that will encourage more fans to go and see the games in person. And, and I think... I think that's a, a, a bloody great thing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the ties are, are set to be played uh, Sunday the 17th of April. Um, one might get moved on the Saturday, I'm never really sure really, but um, Chelsea men are going to be playing their FA Cup semi-final the day before, so on that Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when the when the kickoff times are confirmed, what they do, because that's a really good opportunity if Chelsea men are playing on the Saturday then to get fans in, but obviously the benefit of can we get it, fans in? Well, the benefit of it being at Arsenal is that the Chelsea fans can buy tickets through Arsenal uh, rather than buy tickets to their own club, which they can't do at the moment, although that might, might change with the sale that goes through. But that's an interesting one. I mean, 
this is we were talking about neutral venues, which is I guess is slightly different to it going to Stamford Bridge or it going to the Emirates or whatever. Is Ollie Harder was saying about actually, you know, like don't know if you guys remember, you know, when Villa Park used to host semi-final FA Cup games and things like that. Your experience playing at those bigger stadiums would would that be something you think would would benefit this competition to maybe pick, you know, like a Sellers Park or somewhere that's not as maybe big as the Emirates, but is still like a nice compact ground that's neutral but it still feels like an occasion that befits the women's fa cup i think that's absolutely i think that's a perfect ground to be honest i think it's got the kind of intimacy it's not as big as like you know the big uh the london stadium and things like that but you know i think for the players to to have the kind of prestige of being able to play at these games and they deserve to play these games at at, you know these big stadiums and have the kind of crowd there because the crowd is going to create the atmosphere it looks better on tv when you're watching it and there's not kind of this sparsity of like seats just yeah i hate that when they do at a big stadium it's just like a block that's empty like don't position the cameras there it's that (laughs) or don't position the fans the opposite side yeah yeah well exactly i just think we've done this so many times now guys why they're why are they not fans just on the side of the TV, mm, if mm. anything else. But, you know, for a player, I think there's a, there's a certain level of kind of um, drama, pressure. You know, you're really in the thick of it when you've got fans surrounding you. The, the preparation for the game is a little bit different. You normally go to the stadium a couple of days before to kind of suss things out, do the walk, have a look at the pitch, have a look at the stadium, sort of, you know, visualise what the atmosphere is going to be like. There's a, a certain level of things that you do in terms of the the food that you eat, you eat at the ground and, and all the things that come with just being in those fantastic you know, incredible stadium. They're just such lifetime experiences. So I, I think I think we deserve that now. Can I ask? So I was chatting to Leah Valti, um recently uh, ahead of the, the Derby and she was talking about playing at big stadiums and the difference she said as well is that you can't hear each other, which is something I never t- thought about. You can't hear each other the same way you can hear each other mm. at your home ground and how that actually changes how you play and how you communicate with each other. Yeah, before the the Barcelona game at the Emirates, they held a training session at the Emirates to get used to the pitch dimensions and they blasted out noise okay. so that the players would get used to not being able to hear each other. Because yeah. you're obviously not as close and the fans, there's more more fans, so they're making more noise, so it's actually quite hard to hear. I mean, that North London derby that you played in at Spurs Stadium, yep. which, how many did it have? 38,000. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was nothing that we'd ever played against before. It was... Um, I think it was quite overwhelming, to be honest. I think it was the first time that any of us had really come into a situation. Well, how did you like t- tell us what it felt like to come out of the tunnel and see that many people? Did you feel a bit sick? Fear, really? It was, it I was, think I would kind of like poo my pants. It I'd was be so scared. Fear. It was because um, I think obviously it was, it was a fantastic occasion, and we all wanted to go out there and do our best. But you know, they'd picked a game. You know, we'd only just it was our first our first entry into yeah, the WSL. They, they, they chuck you in the deep and end. They chucked us into <laughs> Arsenal, and we were all thinking, give us something a bit softer. Yeah. But oh no. Um, you know, and it was it was massive. The occasion was great. There were fr- like friends, family there, and luckily, you know, you couldn't see where they were in the in the crowd of faces. And um, but yeah, it does. It's a completely different way of prep, and it and it is. I mean, that was the first time I've ever come across a situation where you just you can't hear what people are saying, especially as a goalkeeper, because you've got to be a vocal leader yeah. right at the back, and you're like, guys. It's guys, so can difficult. you hear me? <laughs> so difficult to master your defence when yeah. it's just like a buzz of just like screams and cheering and stuff like that. So, you know, a lot of it is sort of more expressive. Yeah. Kind of just scream so much more. And yeah. Just like yeah. over yeah. there. Yeah. Cut it out. Yeah. yeah. So, did you do some vocal warm ups, like high school musical style? Like, what? The I don't know. Hell? To like, Why you know, would I do she, that? to just like increase your vocal range. High you know, school musical. Well, okay. I don't well, think that noise. Is shout out! Shout out to the high school musical fans. They will get the reference. I'm sorry. But, what have you ever seen a goalkeeper? If you're going, no, but if you're not oh used to pigeons if, if you're not <laughs> if you're not used to using your voice in a bigger pitch, mm-hmm. would it help to do some like vocal exercises to really you know increase your range? 
in hindsight, maybe we should. I mean, we were yeah. we were struggling See? for gym Smart. facilities at the time, let alone <laughs> a voice coach. <laughs> voice coach I feel like I have a better agenda. suggestion. I, so we did a really great interview um, with uh, Zara Musker from the England deaf women's football team. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she spoke about was when they're actually playing a match, everyone has to turn off any kind of hearing aids or anything. Mm-hmm. So everyone's at a similar level. So we were like, how do, like they have to communicate completely differently? So mm-hmm. surely you would benefit much more from probably having a training session with them or learning from them for situations and like, like that, and where you, like that. But also the way you communicate with each other using your body and your hands, and that would be really interesting because I'd say it's. I'm not sure vocal warm ups would be. The way I don't to know. Go. You have you increase your range. Well, like, I think, think about a great you know. Shirt, to be honest. Um, Joe Hart was the king of an absolute belter of a voice. He would mm-hmm. scream across the pitch like. I think you probably have the advantage being a goalkeeper because you have to be quite vocal and shouty anyway. Yeah. But for other pe- other people on the on the team, and especially the quieter players, um, I, I think that would have been more of a challenge. Before we move on to Champions League, um, I just want to hear some of your go-to um, phrases uh, as a goalkeeper. I, I'll do a vo- we'll do a vocal wa- warm-up workshop on another episode. We'll right. come back to that. But give Buzzing me some give me some it's of Michael your Bublé. give mm. me some of your go-to uh, commands that you shout out to your defence. Step up. Get out of the box. Get, get out. out. Get out. Get out. Away. Yeah, oh, literally. Away. Don't away. give Caroline Weir space. Yeah. <laughs> Come home uh, is another one. Come home's cute. Yeah. Come home. Uh, it's, not, it's not like that. No, no I know, but you cute. made it sound sad. No, I know, no, but I know. It's funny. It's funny. Please talk to me. Please come home. <laughs> uh, in swinging, home. out swinging for corners, depending okay. on how they're going to be. Okay. Um, yeah, or like obviously just marshalling the, the back line, you know, yeah. three, four, whatever it is. So that's what you need as a goalkeeper. It's, it's, it has to be short, snappy. You yeah. can't be going, please, can you come home? It'd be great if you came home. <laughs> On the left-hand side, if you came home, using your left foot, please. It's just, get it away. Yeah. Come home. Yeah. When I when I played um, in goal in hockey in, in Holland, uh, obviously we played Dutch teams. So when I was shouting at my team, it would really throw the opposition team because I'd be speaking in English. <laughs> and they would not be expecting that in a, like, a short corner situation or a defensive situation. But all my team obviously knew exactly what to expect. But the opposition were like, what the hell? <laughs> Anything to throw them off, really. Yeah. I mean, if you've got players standing you in the box, if it's like a corner or whatever, and it's just like, you can just shout whatever you want. And I just shout into their ears. What'd you shout? Thing. What'd you shout? Just oh, anything. Just like, vocal warm-ups. Swinging, but like into their ear. Right. Yeah, with a quick, a quick nudge in the back And that well. just gets the attacker off you. Just give me a little bit You should room. say something really weird. Yeah. Just like really freak them out. And then yeah. you go like, ref, ref. Yeah. She's on me, ref. Absolutely. I might drop down, you know, I might clutch my foot. I might do those kind of things, but, you wow. know, it's all part of the game. It's great Whoa. to get an insight. It's great to get an insight to this. Cheater. Thanks uh, for, for joining us on strategy. episode two of the Chloe Chronicles. Hiya. <laughs> They're all week. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way. I'm Rick Edwards. And I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. Not the kind of doctor who'd be able to help much if you're having like a heart attack. But if you're wondering about quantum physics or the theory of matter, he's your man. Well, probably. Probably. 
Every week, we're asking a new, puzzling question from the world of science and discovering the answer with the help of a world-leading expert. But will we ever talk to animals? They are definitely talking. You know, that's, again, a word that I would qualify because we usually mean that vocally. But in their own ways, they're talking to us every single day. Are face transplants the future of cosmetic surgery? Given that range of what's considered attractive, there's probably no point wanting to change your face to be more attractive if you follow science. And should we fear an alien invasion? If an imperialistic drive brings uh, other civilizations to us, then obviously it's not good news. But if it's scientific exploration, it may be good news. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about the weird, magnificent world around us, then this is the show for you. Eureka. Subscribe now and find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. New episodes every Wednesday. Eureka is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Champions League is back, which is very exciting. It feels like it's been ages because we had the last round of the group stages at the end of the year. It's been 84 years. And we've waited three months to get back in action, which I think is a bit of a shame. But as the the competition expands, then we'll have, you know, an earlier knockout round added and you'll be able to kind of get a bit more European women's football. But... Uh, it's great to have it back. A very, very exciting week of, of football. Um, and who better, really, to give us the lowdown on one of the biggest matches of the week, which is Arsenal against Wolfsburg at the Emirates on Wednesday evening, uh, than Amy Rushke, who is Goal's women's football correspondent. She chatted to us about Wolfsburg ahead of their trip to the Emirates and talked about how they beat Chelsea at the end of December and some of the players to look out for. Yes, I mean, Wolfsburg are a team that have got a lot of history in this competition. Uh, They've won it twice before and they've been to like, I think, three other finals um, in the nearly 10 years since they um, first won it. Um, So they have a lot of history in the competition. They were in the final in 2020, so they have a lot of pedigree at this level. Um, But they're also a team that's changed a lot in that time. Um, It's eight years since they last won uh, the Champions League and... You know, the, there are a couple of players still kind of hanging around from that team, but, you know, not many. It's a, it's kind of a, a new team. Uh, they got a new manager in over the summer, a young manager in Tommy Stroot, who's only 33. And you can kind of see the first half of the season, they were still figuring themselves out a lot under the new coach. But, you know, they've, they've started to grow into the season a lot more. They beat Chelsea quite handily in, in the group stages and came through the group of death with Juventus also in there. So... They're a team with a lot of really experienced players at the highest level. Um, they're a team that you know does still have some weaknesses and you know has conceded a lot of goals in some games this season. But they're a team with a lot of strengths as, as well. When they beat Chelsea, um, I think it was just kind of what I said earlier about they they're kind of growing into this this season and growing into like discovering how Tommy Street wants to play and discovering how there's a lot of new players in the team as well. So kind of discovering how other players want to play and coping with, you know, they've had some big injury absences this season. Um, Alex Pop was out for quite a long time. She's only just come back um, this month, really, in the last few weeks. Um, Ewa Pio is still out, who's their like, star striker. Um, 
So it has been a lot of like, you know, making new connections and forging new relationships on the pitch and things like that. And I think that, you know, Chelsea were poor in that game. And I know Emma Hayes, after the game, talked a lot about the stress and the fact that, you know, players were tired and, um, you know, the stress caused by COVID and things like that. And they were not at the races that day. But they did really well, if memory serves me right, getting sort of out wide and exposing the wings a lot in the game. Um, and there was quite a lot of space sort of between the centre-backs and the full-backs for Chelsea. And Wolfsburg were getting in and in and in all the time down there. Um, you know, that's that's the strength that they kind of showed in that game. And Jonas Edval will be, you know, he's got a lot of film that he can watch, a lot of stuff that he can watch on um Wolfsburg and against, you know, a team like Chelsea that he knows really well and, you know, he's somebody that's really big on sort of the analysis and is quite tactically clever and I think that, you know, he'll certainly identify the ways that Arsenal can deal with Wolfsburg. There's going to be a familiar face for, for all Arsenal fans in Joel Road who um, is in there, in, this, in the squad. Um, I think one of the the best players in that team is Lena Robidoff who... Um, one of the best young players on the entire planet. Uh, she, when she was at Essen before she signed for Wolfsburg, she was kind of floating around in a load of different positions. Sometimes she'd pop up on like the wing. She was in midfield. She was at centre back. Um, she's really settled into a defensive midfield role now at Wolfsburg, um, and she's just outstanding. She's going to be. I mean, she's still only I think twenty one, maybe twenty. Um, she's going to. She's one of the best holding midfielders around now, and she'll. She'll be one of the best players in the world. Um, so I think she's definitely one to, to keep an eye on, even if it's not the most attractive position. Um, and it was interesting at the weekend, actually, when Wolfsburg played Hoffenheim in the league because they played Alex Pop, who's just come back from injury, in the holding midfield with Lena Oberdorf, and it actually push, pushed Lena Lapvein further forward, who normally plays a little bit deeper, and she was playing a bit further forward in midfield. And... Um, she scored two goals and was absolutely excellent. So, like, and Tommy Shute actually talked after the game about, you know, kind of being versatile and maybe bringing some of that unpredictability um, that they won't always play that way, but that they can kind of show when they have all their options that these are some of the different things that they can bring to the table to, you know, surprise maybe an Arsenal and play a different way to what they, they might have analysed from previous games. So that will be interesting in general just to see how they set up and, and how the players set up as well. Um, because that performance at the weekend was really impressive from from that line and, and you know Oberdorf being really key in that. I think the midfield battle in general, it's such a cliche, um, is something that will be really interesting just because Wolfsburg have shown that kind of flexibility and the way that they can do a few things differently. Um, and they have more options in there now that players are coming back and... Um, Arsenal themselves are a team that's got a lot of midfield options, can play in a lot of different ways, um, can play with, you know, one player holding, two players holding, you know, different styles of players in there. Um, and I think, you know, watching somebody like Kim Little in midfield against, you know, like Lena Robidoff will be really interesting. Um, but any sort of, whatever the midfield matchup I think is in this game will be really interesting to watch. Great to hear from Amy there, Goals Women's Football Correspondent, chatting to us ahead of that game at the Emirates on Wednesday. I am really intrigued by this one because I look at that draw that Arsenal got and I 
have to say I don't give them the best chance of coming through this one. And even if they do, Barcelona await in the semi-finals, which is ironic. <laughs> but um, let's like park that for the moment. Um, Wolfsburg, like Amy spoke about, are a, a very good team. And I actually think a lot of people underestimated them in the Champions League this season and were really shocked at how they completely demolished Chelsea at the end of December in that last group game and knocked Chelsea out of the competition. Now, in many ways, you have to take the result and the performance of the pinch of salt because Chelsea were so all over the shot. But I think in both of the group games that Chelsea played against them, they've shown that they can be very dangerous going forward. And I think Arsenal are going to struggle with the attacking options that they have on the pitch on Wednesday night. Yeah, I'd agree because that's where we've seen Arsenal being a little bit dodgy throughout the season is their defensive line. And that's probably something Wolfsburg can take advantage of. I think people probably underestimated them because Chelsea knocked them out quite comfortably um, in the previous Champions League. Um, and, you know, to be fair, they did have a little bit I of a... I feel like it wasn't that comfortable, though. It, it was ended tight. Up four, it was, four, there were some backs against the wall. Because I feel like last season... Chelsea rode their luck that entire Champions League. There were so many moments. That's why I felt like they were destined to win it. There were so many moments where it was like they were literally like clearing stuff off the line. Every In the Atletico Madrid game, in the Wolfsburg game, in the um, Bayern Munich game, I just felt like they were living on the edge. Yeah, but I think because they went out earlier than expected, people kind of wrote them off a little bit, if you know what I mean. But, you know, Amy touched on the history that Wolfsburg have in this competition and I think that will be... I know Arsenal have, have been into the latter stages of the Champions League for a long time too, but they've not had the best, you know, last kind of five, six years, say. Um, and they and I, only just got through to exactly. this round after that Hoffenheim. Oh my God, that game. So I think <laughs> that's something else that Wolfsburg can draw on, that kind of experience. Um, I, I know we talk a lot about the rich history of Arsenal in the Champions League, but I think if we're looking at more recent years Wolfsburg obviously have it on them um, so yeah I think I'm a little bit nervous for Arsenal um, and I and Amy touched there on the midfield matchups as well that could be really interesting to watch um, because as she touched on you've got Oberdorf and Kim Little as well that will be you know a tasty pairing I think if you've got the likes of um, Miedema dropping back that gives Arsenal another element um, but I think the biggest concern for me will be Arsenal's defence I agree with that. I think um, Arsenal do have the versatility side of things. Um, but I think when you do look at, you know, the the history of Wolfsburg in this competition, I mean, they've reached the final in five out of eight years in the competition, two Champions Leagues, um, you know, trophies won. They're a very experienced side. And I think that's going to pull them through. So I think I'm going to, I'm going to tie my flag to the mast. What do I keep oh, saying? Jesus, why do we do this I every time? It's such a yeah, weird... I can't remember the phrase. Just say, I we... think Wolfsburg's going to win. I you guys Wolfsburg pull up the weirdest... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, and also it's... Sticking my post in the flag. The... <laughs> With away goals as well, not counting for anything, it is a it is a bit of a disadvantage having your um your home leg first. You want that you want that your home leg to be the, the second leg of the quarterfinals. So I think I think Wolfsburg will have a massive advantage as well playing at home in that second leg. Um and I I I think Arsenal are gonna really struggle and having watched them at the Emirates against Barcelona. It's a very different team, a very different situation. Um, and Arsenal set up in a very specific way. And it, it worked for about 20 minutes, but then it unravelled so quickly. I just fear if in front of you know a fairly decent crowd, although I don't think it's going to be as big as the North London derby on Saturday, uh, I feel like they might just kind of play within themselves a little bit and get a little bit kind of scared 
and then kind of crumble when when they concede the first goal or if that happens. That's my fear as well. Um, and Jill Rod, Jill Rod revenge game. She was so good against uh, against Chelsea at Kings Meadow, and I feel like she is going to be wanting to you know cause cause some difficulties as well. And Shanice van der Sanden, like the the Dutch contingent in that team. Um, you've got Dominique Janssen as well, who obviously used to play for Arsenal too. Um, I agree. I think a lot of this for Arsenal, a lot of these big games really does come down to mentality. And yes, it worked well for the first 20 minutes or so for Barca, but they they were their own undoing. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is that you cannot make mistakes against teams of this quality at this level of the competition. We saw what happened to Barcelona. One mistake and one goal and they smell blood. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be tight at the back for Arsenal. And I think that's kind of the theme of Arsenal and Chelsea's Champions League campaign and moments of this WSL campaign too is just mistakes. Both of them defensively are riddled with errors. They're just so low on confidence. Oh, that Chelsea-Wolfsburg game. Yeah, the one at Kings Meadow where that all three of Wolfsburg's goals came from Chelsea mistakes between Berger and one of her back three. Yeah. And I feel like... I've seen Arsenal under not that much pressure. I think about that Birmingham game, they ended up winning in the end, but I think it was 4-2 final score, but they made things difficult for themselves. Like those kind of situations, or 3-2, was it? Uh, those kind of situations where they're not really under that much pressure and there's like a simple, you know, a pass back to your defence or a throw in and the defender kind of like loses control of the ball and then, you know, it unravels quite quick. I feel like both Chelsea and Arsenal have that in them this season. I'm hoping... Rafa Souza will be a big, a key player for for Arsenal um, in the back line there. She's quite experienced and quite calm on the ball. That's definitely something I've noticed with her. And it, if they line up with, say, her, Williamson, and maybe Maritz and Catley as fullbacks, there's a little bit more experience. But then, you know, we've but seen I, Catley be a little bit... Well, also, Souza was, made a, such a big mistake in that Birmingham game. She let Birmingham back into it. She's the one, I think, who's been like one of the most shaky since she's come into the no. side. No. Controversial. <laughs> I've seen her make a lot of mistakes already. I've felt way more comfortable when she's in the back line for Arsenal with Williamson than anyone else. But to be fair, it, it was a slightly lower bar, I guess, because that defence has been shaky for quite a yeah. while. Yeah. So maybe I was just, you know, grasping at straws. We'll see what happens on Wednesday Clutching night. Um, what is wrong with us? <laughs> I know, we can't talk today. Um, the other quarterfinals as well, which are really exciting one, El Clasico, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Um, Barcelona going to be hosting that second leg at the new Camp. S- sold out as well. They it's added be like massive. 5,000 more tickets. So if they sell them, I think it might be the, the biggest. Capacity. But the biggest attended ever. game like yeah. ever. Mega. Potentially. Um, and then we've got Leon against Juventus, which I think is a really good draw for Juventus. I was really impressed with them in that group with Chelsea. I think a lot of people wrote them off, but I've, that game at Kings Meadow, they're... They're so organised. They're so hard to break down. They don't get a lot of goals. They're not the most thrilling team going forward, but they're going to be hard to play against. But with the likes of Lena Hurtig up there, she's amazing in the air. You just so need to give her the, a good ball. A good you cross need, in. Yeah, yeah, she needs good supply. She didn't really get a lot of that uh, uh, in in that game against Chelsea. And then we've got last season semi-finalists who played that dramatic semi-final against Chelsea. They won the Bundesliga for the first time in five years last season. Bayern Munich will be taking on PSG. I think that's an interesting one, actually. Can't call that one. Yeah. yeah. PSG beat Lyon for like, won the league in the French league the first time. So they're both coming in with like quite a bit of confidence. 
But they're on flying form. Yeah. PSG, I mean, I was just looking back and it's six wins in six, 25 goals and 13 different goal scorers in this competition. So but they've got a very exciting front line at PSG. Yeah, absolutely. So I think my money's on them. You, your money's on, on PSG? Yeah, not my flag in the sand, my money. <laughs> I think I think it hasn't been the best season for Bayern Munich, especially after I think last season was a very good season for them. So I don't think they're, they've managed to kind of match that. Um, they've struggled in some of their group games as well. So I think that's it's going to be a really interesting one. And then looking ahead to the semi-finals, it's going to be interesting. I still, I feel like we all still feel like we're going towards an inevitable situation in which Barcelona wins it. Yeah. But it's like, what's the journey going to be like to get yeah. to that conclusion? <laughs> I'm kind of feeling like, you know, Barcelona-Wolfsburg, which would be a great match. And then potentially Lyon-PSG, which would be equally tasty. Yeah. I see Barca-PSG. Final. Ooh. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Cool. Yeah. Up for it. Yeah. Okay. Up for it. (laughs) Up for it. Um, And where are you going to be this weekend? Feet Um, up. Feet up. Yeah. But at the game, uh, we've got Charlton this weekend at home. Uh, No, they're home. Uh, So, yeah, going down to South London um, for a big sort of derby, derby fixture. Yeah. Should be a good one. Big battle. Fun times. And Rachel? I'm at the Emirates tomorrow and then I'm at the Emirates on Saturday. It is a week of the Emirates, yeah. isn't it? Uh, and then Man City on Sunday. Man City, Everton. I think. Change it up a bit. And yeah. I'll just give everyone some local news that the traffic at the moment is horrendous. So if you are coming to both games at the Emirates, Fly. I would walk uh, in this lovely sunshine we're having because they're doing... Thames Water are doing roadworks on Seven Sisters Road and honestly it's chaos. It takes me about 20 minutes just to get out of my front door. That is so. such helpful local knowledge. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Get the tube and walk or walk. Um, don't get the bus or drive. Anyway, uh, hope everyone enjoys the football this week. If you're going down to the Emirates, wherever, whatever you're doing, wherever you're watching, wherever you're going, hope you enjoy it. We're finally getting some nice weather so get out there and go and watch your local football team. Put some cream on and please put sun cream on as well um, that is it for today's episode of Upfront on Football Ramble Presents if you've got any questions for us tweet us at Football Ramble at Floyd Tweet for myself at Girls on the Ball for Rachel or at Morgie underscore 89 for Chloe and we will see you all next week Upfront is a stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.